welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to the new Jesus. All right, this is our board from two weeks ago. I usually show the board for a minute from last teaching. This is from two teachings ago where we talked about pride, and a good definition of pride is vain imagination. So vain imagination plus Jesus in Matthew 5, raising or lowering the bar on sin so that now Thousands of things that maybe were not sinful under the old law are sinful because Jesus says now if you participate with it in your thoughts, you've done it. You've done the murder. If you murder the guy in your thoughts, you've, you've uh, had adultery or fornication. If you've lusted, if you've done it in your mind and heart, and, uh, and others too is insinuated at the end of that, Jesus basically just says, be perfect. Now, why would he say that? Well, because, and, 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 and this, this part is from two weeks ago. This part is from two weeks ago. The middle part is new for this week. Okay, so two weeks ago, we took a look at that, how Jesus took it from actually doing a sin to just participating with that thought in your heart and mind is just as if you had done the sin in real life, like you'd committed the murder, or stolen the money, or lied, or gossiped, or uh, whatever it is, okay? And so, if it's anger, guilty, lust, guilty, gossip, guilty, lie, guilty, rejection, guilty, bad, guilty, afraid, guilty, manipulating, guilty, <laughs> oh my goodness, and that, and that the average Christian, based on my research with my Christian clients, does thought sins on average about 41 or 42 times per day, with the low being about 10, the high being over 300, okay? And that how in the world are we supposed to do that right, okay? Because what, what kind of the legalistic side of Christendom says 
is before a sin can be forgiven, you have to repent, confess, um, etc. Well, you're going to do that 300 times a day, even if you only have to do it 40 times a day or 10 times a day. I mean, it's, a, it's virtually constant. And that's the conclusion we came to. It's constant sin and constant grace in the new law or new covenant. Okay? So this is, to me, a big problem because most of the Christians that I've worked with they don't count the thought sins really as sins except for maybe lust. They will count that one. Uh, but others, they don't think it's a sin unless they do it. Well, Jesus said that's not true. If you participate with it, you've already done it and you are already guilty of it. So, we've, so for this to work, and the purpose of the old law was never to work, that's in Scripture. It was to so that sin would increase which is exactly what happens. This keeps you focused on sin virtually all the time. Well, what happens when you focus on sin scripturally? You sin more, not less, okay? And focusing on sin, we know, is fear-based and sends you into fight-or-flight stress as long as you're doing it. Well, if you're doing it 41, 42 times a day or 300 times a day, you're doing it all the time, basically. Okay, so that's a big issue unless God has a system where these can be forgiven without us having 40 times a day or however many times it is for you to stop our day, get on our knees, repent, confess, ask for forgiveness with angst and everything in order for things to move forward. Okay, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Does it to you? Okay, in the old law, they basically repented once a year. Okay, once a year. They would make an atonement for their sins. And those sins were rolled forward, so to speak. Okay, once a year. Okay, we're talking 41, 42 times a day. Okay, so... <laughs> Oh, man, did that ump up the ante on sin, but more importantly, what comes from sin? Guilt and shame, which are designed to keep us in stress, keep us away from being able to bless and help other people because I'm full of guilt, guilt and shame and stress and pain. And we looked at scriptures last week saying, if you're right with the Lord, you have no shame. There is no guilt. Okay? So that can't be right. And it, I don't believe it is. Okay? Um, a gentleman became my spiritual mentor when I was in my mid to late 20s. And it changed my life. And I'll never be able to repay him for everything that he did for me. He really introduced me to the Lord. The, new, the name New Jesus came from him. After he had discipled me for like two or three months, one day I was like, oh my goodness. It's like you've introduced me to a whole new Jesus, the grace and love Jesus versus the law and condemnation Jesus. Well, one of the first pieces of advice he ever gave me, and I think this was the second time we ever talked, the first time I was introduced to him by a friend, and we were all three there, and it was just sort of get to know each other a little bit. The second time was just me and him, and that's when he started discipling me, and in that 
on that day, this is what he suggested for me. Hey, Alex, try this. You've read the Bible, right? Yeah, I've read the Bible. My undergraduate degree was in ministry. I've done ministry for 10 years full-time. Uh, I've done it about five or six years full-time by the time I met my spiritual mentor. So yeah, yeah, I've, I've read the Bible, okay, um, and read parts of it regularly, okay? He said, okay, okay, that's cool, but I'd like you to do something for me. And I said, what? He said, start over at Genesis 1, and just one time, before you ever start, pray and make kind of a, a commitment to yourself that as best you can, and ask God to help you, put what you currently believe, what your parents taught you, what the church taught you, what your school taught you, the Christian school, put all of those over on the shelf as best you can, and try to read this one time like it's the first time you've ever read it. And just see from believing, from reading it on your own, just you and God, and ask God, please, Holy Spirit, lead and guide me to all truth about what God wants me to get from this, okay? Not necessarily what others have told me or what I've been taught, but whatever God wants based on his word and truth and my relationship with him, etc. And let me tell you, let me tell you what happened. When he told me that, I thought that was, all right, that's, uh, you know, that's nothing earth shattering. That's not any great suggestion. That's not any real insight, okay, which is what I thought I was looking for. But I liked the man. He was very kind and loving to me, which is the thing that right off, uh, made me want to stay in touch with him, and it, and it does. Anyone who's kind and loving toward us, we tend to want more of that, unless it just reminds us of our own sin. But outside of that, we tend to want that. So I decided on that next weekend, I would, do, I would start doing what he suggested, and I did. And I got to tell you, stories that, the, stories that I had read a hundred times that if I were to read, they're just sort of, this is boring. I've read it a hundred times. I know what it says. I don't know why I need to read it. Those stories were jumping off the page. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like, wow, that's incredible. You can't, no way. You got to be kidding me. I mean, I thought it, I felt it, I believed it. I, it, it was it was an unbelievable experience for me and something that I thought would not do anything at all, okay? But, but, you've got to do your best to leave all those preconceived beliefs over there at least this one time to just see what, what, is, what is God really trying to communicate here. And ladies and gentlemen, what I got is this is a love letter. Okay? It's a love letter. And the stuff that I was taught growing up that is, okay, here's what God is all about. Here's what Christianity is all about. Here's what church is all about, etc. Ladies and gentlemen, when I read it for myself that, 
that time. That's not what I got. What I got was it was a love letter. All right? And it made beautiful sense where things before had not made sense to me completely. Okay? Now it did. But I couldn't get there through the teachings of other people or institutions or the way I grew up or my parents, or I could, none of that did it. It's when I did it on my own, just me, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, putting those, those beliefs over there at least this one time. Now, I can go back to those beliefs later if that's still what I believe when I get through, but let me tell you, it wasn't remotely what I believed when I got through, okay? It was changed dramatically. So what is God trying to get across here for you and in the context of what we're exploring here together? Well, that's why I used the board from two weeks ago, and that's where we're going to go in the middle part of this board, okay? Um, you, are, you have to, in order to grow up and hate someone, okay? whether it's in your family or people of another race or country or creed or whatever, I believe, and, and, and I've read many scholars on this who said the same thing, I believe you have to be taught hate. I really do. Hate and negativity and extreme legalism almost to the point of a cult and things like that. You have to be taught hate. Well, we're taught scripture, most of us. Okay, growing up. But wait a minute. What is, where are the people who are teaching us, where are they coming from in their mind and heart? And do they believe the truth or are they just parroting what was said to them by their parents? And, and we've done that all the way back thousands of years to the Roman church that basically took over Christianity and sidetracked it and said, you're going to do church our way, or we're going to kill you with pain. And, and basically, for most people, when we say church, that's what they picture. That Roman Catholic model of, you're going to do it our way, or we're going to kill you. Okay? Well, I don't know that we should be shocked then when we've got guilt and shame, and, and when we shouldn't, and the church is dying, uh, which is what basically all of the uh, uh, surveys say, okay? Uh, young people are leaving by the millions. So are every other age group, but young people more, all right? Um, so anyway, I want to take a look today just at, um, without you having to read the whole Bible, although I would highly suggest you do that, same thing my mentor suggested to me, but without you reading the whole Bible, just in a few minutes, let's, let's see if we can get a taste of what did God intend? What was he trying to get across to us through this, through the Word, and Jesus, and the New Covenant versus the Old, etc.? All right? So let's take a look. Okay, on the one side, you've got flesh, sin, and vices. Flesh, sin, and vices. Vices that come from sin. 
flesh causes fear. Our flesh causes us to be afraid because everything's connected to this physical body which can be, which can be hurt, which can be uncomfortable, which can have big-time problems, which can cause death, whatever. So fear in the flesh causes us to fear because we're in the flesh which is where sin comes from and all of the vices that we've talked about. For every virtue and fruit of the Spirit, there's a vice. And then the wages of sin is death. So there's really two, flesh and, the, and, flesh and sin. And everywhere flesh is mentioned in Scripture pretty much, it's about sin. Okay? And, and the killing of the old man is how we kind of put the flesh to death it's still kind of there. We can choose to go over there, but we don't have to anymore under the new covenant once, once we come to the Lord. So you've got really two things, but at the most four. The two are flesh and sin. The four, from flesh comes fear, and from sin comes death. So basically four things in the New Testament that God conveys about sin and the flesh and that negative side of the virtue, vices, and, and all of that, all right? So, in the New Testament, there's basically two, and if you expand it, four, okay? All right, what about the other side? What about love and grace, the two on the other side? The two on the negative side are flesh and sin. On the positive side, love and grace, okay? So where's the emphasis in the New Covenant, in the New Testament? Let's take a look. Over here, the results of flesh and sin are two things. We already said that. Sin, death. All right? What about the New Covenant? What about love and grace? There's, there's, not, four, there's not two that come from that. There's 47 that come from that. 47 different things in, in the New Testament, the New Covenant Word, is God saying, okay, love does this, grace does this. Just like over on the negative, uh, flesh does fear and sin creates death. Okay? Those primary two and then secondary two more for a total of four. On the other side, we've got love and grace, the primary two. But then we don't have two more for a total of four. We've got 47 more where God is saying, this comes from love, this comes from grace, this comes from love, this comes from grace. All right? So it's, it's emphasis. It's not only Scripture specifying that the old law is no longer in force. It's also the emphasis. What is he saying Ten times versus one time, all right? Just like what you talk about most is probably what you're emphasizing in your life, and that can change from circumstance to circumstance, but whatever you talk about the most, just naturally, that tends to be what you're most focused on. Well, what does God talk about the most? What is He emphasizing? What is most important to Him? Let's take a quick look. And I'm not going to read all the scriptures. I'm going to give you a, a sheet where you can look at all those and even print them out in just a second. It's behind this board on the TV. But first of all, and these aren't all of them, I kind of took the main ones, all right? So over here, you've got two. From flesh and sin come fear and death. 
from love and grace come, you are called by God before you were ever born. You were justified by God before you were ever born. If you are a believer now and, and consider yourself Christian, that, that's true of all these. Just You were justified before you were ever born. There is no condemnation. You are set free from sin. You, there, you are a sin. There has been a sin offering for you that includes all of this. No exceptions. It includes all of it. It doesn't include all of it except the one you did 10 minutes ago. It includes the one 10 minutes ago too. It doesn't include, include all of it except for the one you'll do 10 minutes from now. It includes the one you'll do 10 minutes from now. The sin offering has already been made and you are already free from that sin that you'll commit 10 minutes from now or a year or 10 years or 20 years. All of those were paid for 2,000 years ago. Jesus has the receipt. Whoever owns it is the one who paid for it, which is Jesus, not you. And it does not have to be paid for twice. Nothing does on this earth and also with, with this spiritual thing. Only has to be paid for once, happened 2,000 years ago, and it's for all of them. All right. Um, the mind of the Spirit is life and peace, which you're supposed to have if you have these. All right. Um, what's that one? Uh, the, the Holy Spirit. The, you are in the realm of the Spirit now, not the realm of the flesh or the law, all right? Uh, life is brought into your mortal body by the Holy Spirit. If you, are if you accept the love of God and are under His grace, all right? There's life into your mortal body through the Holy Spirit. You are and have the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a son or daughter not a slave, not a stranger, not a worker. You are a son or daughter of God. You are heirs. Okay, you want to inherit something? Great. We like that, right? Here on earth, a big inheritance. You're going to have a monstrous inheritance. Your mansion's already waiting for you. You are a citizen now. Not when you die. Now. Already. Okay? Uh, your hope will not disappoint. Why? Because you have a lifetime guarantee. Everything will work out for your good. No, our hope never disappoints. There is no charge that can be made against you. Well, wait a minute. I just sinned five minutes ago and I haven't had time to pray or repent yet. No charge against you. Remember the scripture? Blessed is the man or woman whose sin is never counted against them. Doesn't say it's counted and then forgiven. Never counted against them. All right? No charge against you if this is where you are. All right? Uh, all of the fruits of the Spirit and faith come if you are here. Uh, you were foreknown by God before you were ever born. The hairs on your head, all that stuff. Okay? You were predestined based on God knowing if you would respond to his call or not. So were you predestined to be saved or lost? 
It's your choice. That's the answer. God knows the answer, but it's your choice. Always. Now, today, 10 years ago, 10 years from now, always. All right? Uh, you have been glorified, or will be, at some point. That one is unclear to me, all right? Whether we're glorified now or then. But you are or will be glorified. Um, you should have perseverance. And, and, and practicing perseverance leads to your perfect best life. That's uh, James 1, I believe, all right? Um, let's go over here. All right? These are still what comes from love and grace, not what comes from here. There's only two of those, fear and death. All right. You have a new heart and a new mind. You're given that at uh, the mind of Christ, and you're given a new heart at when you accept God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You are reborn. The old has passed away. The new has come. All right? You are anointed and sealed. The sealed means done deal. Done deal. Nobody can break God's seal on you except God. And he's not, you're saved. He's, he's not going to break that, all right? Well, that's his providence, but okay. Uh, you will get all good at least long term. That's the lifetime guarantee. You are innocent. Innocent. As if you've never committed a sin, as if you've never made a mistake in your life. You are, you are called by God Holy, you are called a saint. You're called a friend of Jesus. You're called the bride of Christ. You will exchange, this is the Isaiah passage, your strength for God's strength. Wait on the Lord. You'll exchange your strength for his strength. If this is where you're living, right? Um, you have mercy. His mercies are new every morning. Think about that. Every morning, no matter what you did the day before or the 50 years before, His mercy is new for you today and tomorrow. Start again every day, all right? You are given a crown of life if you persevere. You will be given a crown of life, all right? Um, you can have a life beyond imagination, but this is the only way you can get it. If you live here, no, no life beyond imagination. You live here, life beyond imagination, if you are experiencing the love of Christ in your heart by faith. All right? If you have that, the love of Christ in your heart by faith, you will have a life beyond imagination. And, and then the last one there, if you, again, if you persevere, the perfect version of your life. Is that appealing? Would you rather have a bad version of your life? A mediocre version of your life? How about the perfect version of your life? This is where it comes from. All right? And I didn't have enough room, so I continued over here. You're a citizen of heaven now. Uh, you have the spirit of power within you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, the spirit and, and, and the and God gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Not a spirit that is lacking power, that is fear, but fear, not love. That didn't come from God. Fear doesn't come from God. That's from Satan. And anxiety, depression, whatever, which are now epidemics, 
That didn't come from God, okay? That came from here, all right? You are salt and light. You are chosen before the world was ever begun and saved before the world was ever begun. Wow! Unbelievable, right? Um, your body is the temple, and you are already, if you're, a, if you're a Christian, you're a minister. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to have some stamp on a certificate. God has stamped you. If you're a Christian, you are a minister, okay? Um, you are protected. Sin will not be credited to you. Okay, so do you, do you get my point? Do you see the emphasis? Two, two, th two negative things, two positive things. What comes from the two negative sin-based things, old law, old, law, old covenant, legalism, is fear and death, two things. What comes from love and grace, 47. In other words, I believe God through Scripture is trying to tell us with, with every synonym in the, in the, the, the thesaurus. That's a hard word to say. With every synonym in the thesaurus for love and grace, God is using them all. Trying to get across to us, I believe, from every possible different angle, hey, from this comes everything you want and more, more than you could ask for, more than you can imagine, beyond imagination, okay? So, the emphasis is obvious, okay? You want more? All right, how about this to end with? How many times do you think the New Testament word for grace is used in the Old Testament? Any idea? You want to know? Zero. None. Never. Not once. And as you know, the New Testament is way bigger than the... The Old Testament's way bigger than the New Testament. Way bigger. All right? Like twice as big. Zero. In the New Testament... I think it's about 170 times grace. It's in every single book in the New Testament except for two or three. And the two or three are the ones like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, who were with Jesus before he died, before the crucifixion and resurrection, really before the new covenant started. So they would not be talking about grace because it hadn't started yet. They were talking about before that started. But once Jesus is crucified and raised from the dead, it's everywhere. Paul alone mentions grace more than 70 times. Okay? Now, in the Old Testament, there is a word for favor. Now, the definition of the New Testament definition of grace is two things: unmerited favor and the power to do what needs to be done. Okay? You got that? There is a word in the Old Testament that's used, uh, depending on the translation, between four and eight times. 
but it is not the New Testament word for grace. It does not mean unmerited favor and the power to do what's needed. It means only favor. And usually it would say something like, and so-and-so found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And it would be either be something that they did that was really obedient and faithful or whatever, or it was their mind and heart and God could see the, see the intention of their heart that it was good and that found favor with the Lord. But it's not unmerited favor. It tends to be merited favor. And it does not include at all the power to do what needs to be done. So the power that needs to be done in unmerited favor, that's 170 times all over the New Testament and zero in the Old Testament. Where's the emphasis? Well, with the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and anointing of Jesus uh, having all power in heaven and on earth, it is the emphasis undoubtedly. It's as plain as the nose on your face, if you really look at it. It's not flesh and sin, it's love and grace. And both love and grace have scriptures saying always be focused here. Always be focused on love and grace. Never be focused here. Never be. 365 scriptures, I'm told by scholars. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Sin always involves fear. Always. Love, no. Love, perfect love drives out fear. Alright? So where is God's emphasis? And today, where is your emphasis? On love and grace or flesh and sin? If it's here, I believe you're being deceived by Satan and you are missing out on your best life that God has for you, the one that's beyond imagination and maybe even to the point of being perfect. But you can still have that, okay? It's what God intended for you. It's what God wants for you, okay? All you have to do is understand accept the love of God and start choosing love and grace instead of what maybe you've really been doing, which is what I did for years, which was choosing flesh and sin over and over and over. And then I wondered, how come it's not working for me? Because I was ignoring all of this and focusing here. I didn't believe this stuff was possible for me. It's possible for other people, maybe. Maybe for you. Maybe for Martin Luther King. Maybe for Jesus, maybe, but, but not me, okay? No, that is a lie from Satan. This is what God intends. Not just for the preacher, not just for me, for you, okay? Because it has nothing to do. You cannot earn salvation. You cannot earn hell. It's a choice to accept the love of God and believe him, and Jesus or not, okay? So if you consider yourself a Christian, if you believe in love as a way to live life, etc., here's what comes from that. And is that what you're experiencing? Here's what comes from 
being committed and focused on the flesh and sin. Fear and everything that comes from fear, stress, the other name for stress, the stress response is the fear response, and death. Physical death because stress suppresses your immune system and you start to get sick. Emotional death because it messes up your brain chemicals, hormones, etc. And you start to feel all these negative emotional things. All right? The solution's not pills. Now, I'm not saying don't take pills if the doctor tells you to take that. But the ultimate solution that I believe will heal your depression and anxiety and just about anything else, if that's God's will for you, is this. And if you're experiencing the negative stuff, it's almost certainly you're focused here. That is not God's emphasis after Jesus. This is. So this, I believe, is God's solution to the thought sins taking our sin count from maybe once every two or three weeks or whatever, once, uh, you know, when we actually do an action sin to 41 or more sins every day. This is God's solution. Yeah, constant sin, but constant grace. Okay? So, start living this if you're not, because if you're not, it's not because it's not the truth. It's not because it's not available to you. It's because you're being tricked and you're choosing this. This is straight from Scripture, and the Scriptures are all here. You can print this out, uh, read them all for yourself, and this is basically what I just showed you on the board, but without the Scripture references. You're God's child. You're Christ's friend. You've been justified. You're united with the Lord, one spirit with Him. Bought with a price. Belong to God. You're a saint, a holy one. Uh, you direct access to God. You've been forgiven of all your sins. You're complete. You're free from condemnation, always, and on and on and on. You're a citizen of heaven. You're born of God. You have grace and mercy every day. You, I, and then the last one, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay? This is where God wants us to be focused. The emphasis is like this. Grace and love up here, sin in the flesh down here. Now, he's got to tell us about sin in the flesh because that's the pothole we can step into that'll mess us up, all right? And so we need to know that. But we're not supposed to be focused there. Be focused here. All right. Thank you so very much. Oh, and by the way, almost no believers that I counsel with believe these things are true about themselves. Like me, they tend to believe they're true for other people or, or they're, they're available to them if they can start doing all the right stuff and never sinning anymore. Then maybe they could have these. No, 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 no. Sin has nothing to do with these. Okay? If you accept the love of God and Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you get these no matter what the sin thing. Unless you're doing the, un, the uh, unpardonable sin, but I, I don't think most people are doing that, or you wouldn't even be listening to this. So if you hear this, if you're here interested at all, okay, I don't think you've committed the unpardonable sin, which means no matter what or how many sins you're doing, this is still your truth. But Satan is tricking you into believing it's not. You only get this if you behave right.
You cannot earn your right standing with God. You cannot earn salvation. You can't even earn hell. It's just all what you choose. You either choose hell, choose fear, or choose love and God and Jesus, etc. It's your choice every day. Okay? So, um, if you don't believe this, then you need to do what I did and try to put everything over there once. Read it for yourself and then ask yourself, okay, if I didn't know anything, really, I didn't just put it on a shelf, I actually didn't know anything and read this for the first time, would I get the impression that sin and, and the flesh is, is where God's focused and where he wants me to be focused? Or would I get the impression this is where God's focused and wants me to be focused? It's no comparison. This is where God's focused and wants you focused. Are you? Change that and you'll change your life forever. And everyone around you. Have a wonderful, blessed day.